Hello, my friends. Today we are talking to Roy Duvall, the CTO at Calendly, and we discuss challenges faced when dealing with massive scale, how to organize the genius within an organization, and how to use successful thinking patterns of other people to your advantage. All of this right here, right now on the Modern CTO Podcast. Here we go. This is the Modern CTO Podcast. Hey, it's Roy. Joel, how's it going? Amazing. I just got these new uh, AirPod things, and they're weird because they're noise canceling. Yeah, I um, I'm an Android phone user, and so it was a little bit sacrilegious for me to buy AirPods, but I love the noise canceling. I ended up getting Jabra, uh, the Jabra Elites, and. Uh, they're supposed to be the the next best thing on the market. And so far, they work pretty well. Yeah, you like them? Yeah, yeah. That's awesome, man. It's always like, for me, it makes a difference in the workout or the run. Like when you have the music and it's high quality, it can just take it to the whole next level. You got it. You got it. And then they also have the hear through that you can you can turn on and off. That's helpful if you're running on the road. I do some, I do a little bit of running myself. So it's super important for me too that they stay in and that they work well. So. Oh, yeah. So you like doing some running? You're up in uh, Georgia area, right? Yeah, Atlanta, Georgia. You get some uh, hills and some nice terrain to run, or you do inside stuff? Or uh, I love trail running. You know, that's my excuse to kind of get out and, and see nature, just kind of, you know, decompress and forget everything and just go long. So I do some, I do some distance running here and there. Yeah, I think our, our connection to nature is like incredibly important. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it just kind of takes you back to what's important, you know, and you, you're able to just kind of, um, you know, just really decompress and, and think about things in a whole new way. Yeah, it helps that usually when um, I was stuck on engineering problems, I was like, all right, I'm just going to go outside. I'm just going to walk for like 10 or 15 minutes. And it's so hard to, to like rip yourself away from the computer and go do it until it becomes a habit. But and once I once I figured out like, to separate from the problem, go outside and just get your mind in a different state, then the answers will come to you. Yeah. Yeah. You got it. Nothing like a, you know, long 50 K or 50 mile run, just to think about all the problems by the time you get to the end. Dude, a 50 mile <laughs> run. Holy yeah, yeah, crap. Yeah. <laughs> you abolish me, man. I do like one to three miles a day. That's yeah. What I do. Okay. Yeah. <clears throat> you know, uh, I think it's, um, you know, part of a personality trait, like just going to the extremes of like, you know, um, in software, I want to know everything there is to know about software engineering. I want to know the development process. I want to know the software as a craft, what's the best pattern, you know, and similar with running, it's like, I started with a 5k and then it's like, well, I'd like to go a little further and do a 10k and then got out on the trails. And I see that there's these things called ultra marathons. And it's like, yeah, well, how far can you really go? Like, let's, you know, let's, let's push the envelope. And it turns out, most of it's just really about being stubborn and just being unwilling to give up and just to sort of like software chew on it and keep getting better and better and better. And it's the same thing with long distance running is you just, you keep going a little bit further, a little bit further. And, you know, I uh, did 70, 72 miles across the North Georgia mountains uh, a couple wow. of years back. And it's just, you know, like I said, when, when you, when you finish that, you think you've solved every problem. Uh, that you have to that date. And so you go find some more problems to solve and do some more running. 
Was that like on the Appalachian Trail area? Uh, there's a race called the Georgia Death Race, uh, and it goes from <laughs> Bogle State Park uh, all the way over to Amlicola Falls. Uh, so uh, some a little bit on the Appalachian Trail, but uh, lots of other trails, Duncan Ridge Trail and a few others that are up there that are uh, really challenging, uh, but but just super scenic and super fun to do. Yeah, my wife and I spend a lot of time up there in the North Georgia, like tri-state area, doing the different mountains and all of that. It was a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like uh, doing that, I've, I've come out to like Utah and Bryce Canyon and run there. And it's just a just an amazing way to see, uh, you know, lots of things in a short period of time. So what type of shoes do you like? All the shoes. All the shoes. All <laughs> Um, I don't know. I guess my favorites are probably ultras. Uh, they make a great trail shoe. It's a kind of, it's a zero drop shoe. Uh, and they're just super, super comfortable, nice and lightweight, but just enough support. You can put a rock plate in. And so, uh, they support your feet on some of those longer distance running. I I love that. I think it says a lot about somebody when you can do that, do the difficult things, take yourself to the extreme. I, I treat like my professionalism, like almost like an athlete where I feel like I'm training for it constantly. I'm going to the gym, um, doing my running. And I, I did running for, for like several years, like one to three miles a day. And then I decided that I wanted to do some like more lifting and put on some more muscle, which is actually like really hard to do when you're running because the, the, exactly. the calorie needs are just insane. Um, and so I did a little less running and a little more lifting. And so that's where I'm like working on right now. But that mindset, I think is what you were like, you know, really, really hitting on that mindset to like find where your boundary is and say, okay, here's my comfort zone. Let's push it a little bit farther. And I've gone to the point where I've pushed it to uh, unhealthy levels to feel like what is my ultra, like a hundred percent, like maxed out. And then I was like, okay, if I go farther, I will die. Like beyond the, like the first person, the first time you push it, like I'm going to die, but I push through. And then you're like, I'm going to die, but I put you go farther. But then you're like, okay, I will actually die. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and you have to take it back a step. <laughs> nice. That's, that's funny. It's uh, it sounds like we've done, we've done the opposite. I, um, from, you know, 20, 22, 23 to 32, I spent a lot of time in the gym, uh, working out and trying to find those limits and trying to get big. I'm a, I'm a little guy. So, uh, spent a lot of time like eating and bulking and taking the protein shakes and, and trying to grow and, and get large and, you know, went, went to the pretty, pretty far, uh, level of intensity there. And then, you know, sitting behind a desk every day and only doing those heavyweight workouts. It's like, uh, look up and I'm 32, 33, 34. It's like, uh, if I don't start doing some cardio, you know, we're going to run into issues. And so then that's where I started dabbling in the running and, and, uh, and moving on from there. Oh yeah. The cardio and then the stretching, all of that, like it, it makes noticeable improvements to the quality of life. Definitely, definitely. Dude, I'm a huge fan, by the way, of Calendly. Like, yeah. I've been using Calendly since 2017. It's a core part of our business, not going to go away, which is like an infrastructure play, right? Like that's definitely what you want as a, like a company, a business. And it's just from the moment I used it, I was like, oh, this solves a problem. And then it became a thing to where the old people were like, I would just say like, hey, where's your Calendly link? And like, what are you talking about? And then everyone, like you became like a, I think a verb or an, I'm not sure of the part of speech, but you became a thing like, like a zoom, like, where's your Calendly link? Where's your Calendly link? Or do you have something else similar? And, uh, eventually Google started 
understanding the word and stop like trying to autocorrect it when I type Calendly and it would try to change it to calendar. But it's a really sweet service and it's very, very useful. You know, I got so lucky uh, in stumbling on Calendly. I, I was unaware of it. I was unaware it was in Atlanta. It's been such a, it's, it's grown organically. And like you said, like you use it, you realize it solves a problem and all of a sudden like that's the only way to go. And, uh, you know, I, I used it, uh, and, and realized like, man, this is, this is something that, that everyone needs. And, and I hear what you say over and over and over again from our users. It's like the day I used it, I realized like there's just no going back. This solves a problem for me. And, uh, you know, and that's, that's what brought me to Calendly is, is being able to work on a product that, that people, you know, can immediately see the benefit from and, uh, and it helps connect people uh, in a whole new way and, and makes things easier. So. so when did you join? So I've been at Calendly for about 11 months now. Um, I, uh, like I said, I, I stumbled on it uh, a little bit, uh, got, got lucky, really. They, um, they recruited one of my product managers out of, uh, out of my previous employment uh, at ShareCare, where I was as VP of engineering. And, um, you know, if, if a recruiter had cold called me and said, hey, there's this scheduling company called Calendly in Atlanta and they're looking for a CTO, I, I, was, I was in a super good place and, and I would have probably not even taken the call. Uh, but it just so happened she had given her notice a week before and she was in her last week of employment and a recruiter called me and said, hey, there's this scheduling company in Atlanta. And I was like, is it called Calendly? And they said, yeah. How did you know? I was like, well... I need to know more about this company. And, uh, you know, I really did it just because, you know, uh, I was losing somebody that was great and I wanted to know why. Um, I thought there was pretty much a 0% chance that I was going to leave my, uh, my current employer. I was in a really good place. I've been there eight years and was growing the team exponentially. And I met Tope, you know, and, and I saw the uh, passion in his eyes. I used a product and found like, oh boy, like this is something that users love, really solves a problem globally. You know, it's in Atlanta. Uh, we, we care about like our users, like that's the passion of the company. Everything from customer experience to product to engineering, we're all there on Twitter, listening to our users, getting feedback, trying to find what the next best thing is for us to build, um, you know, and, and it's just growing exponentially in all facets. And so that's what I love to do. Uh, it checked every box for me as far as, um, you know, internally having the culture that we need, being passionate about the software, um, but also giving people room for innovation and growth and that time to, to build software the right way. Uh, and then just really solving a problem for users. Uh, and so, you know, so by the time I, uh, had my third interview, I'm like, okay, like, how do I make these people hire me rather than I'm just going there to waste their time because they stole my uh, product manager. It was, it was an amazing journey for me. Yeah. Well, I feel like as humans, when we see something good, we have this desire to amplify it. Like we want to, amp we want to be a fan of a product. Like every, every interaction I go into with a brand, it's like, I want this to go good because I want to go around saying that this is like the best in the world. Exactly. Exactly. And this, like, you know, this has utility around the world, uh, you know, and it's just been, it's such a, a hidden gem 
uh, because we don't have outbound sales and outbound marketing today. I mean, it's just purely been somebody uses it and they tell somebody else about it. And, uh, and so we're, yeah, we're, we're just super interested in getting the brand out there and letting people know that, uh, that Callaway is going to just get, you know, exponentially better from here. Yeah. That's how we got you on the podcast. Uh, I make like list of things I love and then I give them to my team and I say like, go find me the people behind the things that I really like. And, and then they, they do that. And it's very exciting for me. Um, and then, uh, I, and I've also seen your growth cause I was talking to some of the people in HR, like a year or two, you guys were in our sales pipeline for our leadership product. Somebody had reached out like before you even joined and, uh, we were talking with her and I can't remember exactly her name, but, uh, every day i started following her on like linkedin stuff like every day or like every week she's like posting faces of your new team members i'm just like well, this company is growing like crazy and then she's moving up into new positions and i i was like wow you guys are on fire and you know candidly like i i had a couple like support things that i like favors essentially i asked for not like bugs or anything like i had some favors i asked for from them and they they did them and i was blown away by that Right. Because when you, you know, everyone comes on and, and, and says, you know, culture, you know, when they're doing interviews or when they're talking, it's like, it's a, it's a common word that comes up or topic that comes up culture, culture, culture. But when you get to firsthand interact with like a support team and like request and actually have it resolved and experience that, that is like the true culture test. Like, does it permeate through every employee? You know, and that, and honestly, if there's one thing that keeps me awake about Calendly right now is that's it, right? It's like today it is beautiful. That culture and that collaboration is there. You know, that's that's something that, that you can do as a, uh, you know, as a 65-person company by getting everybody in the room and having, you know, a, a super articulate CEO stand up in front of that group of people and and just say, like, like here's my vision. Here's what we're trying to do. Uh, and everybody can go away and, and regroup as necessary. Um, we've we've gone from 65 people uh, at the start of 2019 to we're 150 plus people now, and we're all fully remote, um, you know, due to to COVID. And so uh, this is something that the leadership team sits and and we agonize over. It's like how do we keep that? You know, how do we keep that culture of collaboration? How do we make sure that we're empowering people? How do we make sure that all of our employees in their situation today are the most effective they can be, but but we're also like accounting for that this is a very unique situation for everyone and giving them the ability to handle uh, their situation appropriately as well. And so, um, you know, that's another thing that, that brought me here is like, it's always forefront of thought, um, you know, and we're not running so fast that we're not taking that time to take that step back and say, okay, now that 150 people, what, what, what broke that worked well at 65? Okay. How do we fix that? All right. And then at 200 people, what are we going to do a little bit differently in order to solve that problem as well? Yeah, actually I might be able to, to help too, if you would like, I got, you know, I've got a number of connections, like specifically, you know, trip actions, they went, you know, to a couple hundred people and then the next year, a thousand people and then like 3000, they just like kept like exponentially growing over the past two or three years. And so got some connections there. And then also at Datadog, um, are you familiar with them? Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I like the, as an engineer, I'm a fan of them, but, uh, 
yeah, they grew really fast too. And I've got some connections over there. So, you know, maybe after the show, if you're, if you're interested, I'll connect you to some of those people. If you've got those questions, I mean, I'm sure that the team is like incredibly competent. You guys are, have got it down, but it always kind of helps to have a, a person who's done it before and like bounce ideas off them. If you'd like. Always. Um, I am uh, always want to bounce my ideas off someone else and have, uh, and learn from other people. Uh, we have a great community here in Atlanta of CTOs that we get together and just talk about uh, uh, solutions. Um, but yeah, I would love to to make more connections and, and learn from additional people. So please, yeah, let's let's uh, let's touch base. Yeah, and it's pretty cool because like I got to last year, I got to travel around like all over the world and talk to different like CTO groups, and it's really interesting. Like, there's just different styles of people in different areas. So, and I know that Atlanta has one of the largest groups because I was actually booked to speak at one of the Atlanta CTO things, but the coronavirus happened. And so like everything got canceled, but you guys have a really large community. I mean, Atlanta does, and then uh, there's a very large community in Canada, and then you've got, you know, some Denver and San Francisco, just some of the groups that I I follow personally. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It, it, it is, um, it, it's a, it's a, it's a great culture in Atlanta of, of CTOs that just want to learn from each other. Um, but also like reaching out to other, uh, uh, you know, other avenues for finding those CTOs that are, uh, that are amazing. Um, like Plato, uh, reaching out through them and, and their oh, mentorship yeah, yeah. programs and, yep. uh, and just having conversations there, uh, to learn from each other. That's more of a, a worldwide play so that you can touch base with somebody that you may have never come come in contact with and kind of learn those different strategies that people are employing around the world. Oh yeah. And so I, I was curious, you said, did you say his name was Tope? You said the guy you talked to that shared his vision, that's like the CEO or the founder? Yeah, that's our founder CEO, Tope uh, Alatana. So what was that first conversation like? That first conversation? Um, like I said, I came in with, a, honestly, with a little bit of arrogance and uh, and low expectations and just was like, you know, you hear the startup culture theme all the time, right? Of we got the perks, we bring in the breakfast, we've got the unlimited PTO, um, our, we're growing exponentially. And it's usually because we've got a ton of venture capital backing money that's really helping us grow and expand. And I sat down with Tope and, you know, he said those things, but then he said, you know, and we're doing total rewards. And total and part of total rewards is like our unlimited PTO is backed with a thousand dollar stipend. You only get your thousand dollar stipend if you take your PTO. And uh, you know, and we're we're looking at uh, how we do laddering at 65 people. How do we do laddering and career paths so that we're setting people up from success from day one? And oh yeah, by the way, we're we're a profitable company. We're not taking any investment. We don't want investment because well, we grew this organically and the snowball has hit that that um, that point where it's just rolling down the hill faster and faster and faster because people know about us and have learned us about us organically. And so we don't have people that are asking for return on their investment. You know, he, he owns this company and we have some support uh, through OpenView and people, but uh, but what we don't have is a need for a, a additional infusion or, or, or anything. Uh, and then beyond that, it was like, it was his vision of the leadership team and what we're there to do and how we're there to empower our employees and make sure that, that, that we know it's organizing genius. Like 
our job is to give them the strategy and the vision and set this platform and let all of these brilliant people solve problems for us uh, and, and continue to have that focus on the user. And uh, yeah, that first, that first conversation was like where the light bulb started turning on for me uh, of like, oh boy, <laughs> I have stumbled on something that is unique. It isn't brochure aware of like, hey, we've got all the, all the buzzwords for a startup in Atlanta. Like we live and breathe that as the culture uh, and as the values of what Calanoi uh, strives to achieve. Yeah. What did you end up doing? Well, first of all, I, I fully agree uh, with, with your concept of organizing the genius because that's actually quite a hard thing to do, right? Like the, the default is to get in there and want to do the work, to be the contributor. The, the default is to get in there and do it. And then to be able to step back and, and put somebody, put the right person and put the right type of genius in that role, ensure that they're, and then take care of that uh, you know, manage that relationship and build that trust in that relationship. And then to let them operate autonomously and do their thing and coach them through that. That's actually, it's, uh, it sounds easier than it is. <laughs> yeah. Well, and that's funny because, um, you know, Tope, Tope admitted that immediately, right? This is his baby. This is, he's the founder. He's the guy that uh, rolled up his sleeves and walked in and said, Hey, this is what we're going to build. He got this thing started. And, and he was the first person to say, it's like, it's at a point now where I need experts that have done this at a bigger scale than me. And I need to figure out that way to step back and, and let people and empower people to do their job because they're going to go deeper. They've grown things larger than I have. Uh, and, uh, and it's what's best for Calumly. And so, yeah, I think, I think he struggles with this on a day-to-day -day basis. Um, he always wants to ask questions. He always wants to understand and be involved, which is, uh, you know, essential for a CEO anyway, but being able to kind of extract himself from the very specific user experience of how we do rolling calendar days versus, uh, business days. So how, how did you end up solving the you know, latter career paths? Um, so this is a, it's, it's, it's a consistent work in progress, right? So the, the first thing to do is to start defining our um, just basic organizational structure. How, how is it going to scale? Uh, when I arrived at Calendly, it was engineer, engineering manager, and QA. And that's like, that's the entire engineering organization. You don't need anything besides that, right? And so, you know, this is, this is where I started coming up with, well, we probably need some site reliability engineers and we probably want to think about architecture in a different way as a discipline and we and so really just kind of laying out what what is our viewpoint of a enterprise sized engineering organization um, from there it's okay and understanding that now let's start breaking that down into job roles and responsibilities and so really spending the time to write out those job descriptions creating the scorecards and so you know what we want to do is we want to make sure we don't fall into the, the pitfall of, you know, uh, we've got a great engineer. The only way for that engineer to grow is to move over into a management path and, and uh, start taking on management responsibilities. Some people are great engineers and should be lifelong engineers, right? And so uh, defining a technical career path for engineers that goes all the way up to principal engineer. Uh, starting at junior and then going all up to all the way up to level six for what a principal engineer looks like at Calendly. 
and then doing that for, for each role and each definition, site reliability engineer, what's it look like at an entry level? How does it grow? How do you become, you know, world-class guru of infrastructure at Calendly? And so for each one of those roles, starting to lay out what's that, what's that career progression look like? And at each level, what are those responsibilities? Um, you know, what are the core responsibilities? Where do you start? And how do you evolve along that, um, that spectrum in order to start moving towards that next level? Uh, you know, this is something that they had started when I got here. Um, and I, I just worked to embellish it and make sure that we had special disciplines where that was necessary. But from there, it becomes more of a lattice, right? So it's not only vertical scale and inside engineering, how do we move from one role, either laterally or vertically, but what about CX? Uh, is, there a, is there a path for customer experience to move into engineering? And so now we start to take not only just vertical ladders and horizontal movements inside engineering, we talk about opportunities across the company the greatest thing about uh, exponential scale and exponential growth internally is that there's there are constant opportunities for people to branch out and learn and pick up another discipline and grow into that discipline and continue to uh, evolve as a person and in, in, uh, in the in kind of the path that they want along along their journey. How how would they access this information? Is this something that's like it's a PDF and a Dropbox and it shows the the things for each role? Like how do they stay? Obviously the roles will change and. So the needs will change, but like, how do they visualize it and interact with it? Well, so this is a, you know, this is an important thing for us, right? Is like, it's go slow to go fast. Um, it's not just, hey, I need a senior SRE. Let's open that position and get it hired. It's what's that, what's that ladder look like? How is it defined? And, and we create this, this is a, um, it's a readily available document inside Calendly of what are those career progressions? What are the scorecards? How do you move back and forth? Um, what are the open positions today, right? Because it's not just, hey, this is defined. There has to be that business need as well. We're super transparent in, in all of this. Uh, I think that's essential to continuing to have that, that culture and that collaboration that we want, right? Is everybody needs to know the why and the how uh, and the what. And so uh, all of these documents are published uh, so that people understand what are those opportunities all of our open positions are published so people understand, oh, there is, there's something there for me to strive for. And then, you know, and then uh, from there, and we actually use a, a combination of small improvements um, for uh, just kind of having that career progression defined between a manager and an individual and uh, Confluence Wiki page for what's the overall view of that ladder and, and career growth pattern for people. Well, that's really exciting because it, it's very clear for them when they can visual. A lot of people will talk about it. And I'm always curious, like what it looks like. I hadn't asked yet. And so it's like a confluence, like wiki type page and you have a visualization and then they just constantly check it. Because I, I found that if you, if you create an environment for productive, hungry, successful people to thrive in where they can see where the needs are, then they can self-organize and deliver results easier. Yeah, I mean, that, that's what it's all about, uh, is it's just, it goes back to that concept of organizing genius, right? It's like, if you can give the strategy, if you can give the perspective, if you can set goalposts and then get out of the way, then, then you're so much better off than, you know, having to come back in and do everything by word of mouth and meetings and one-on-one uh, -on -one management. 
Now, do you do you like nerd out with like the OpenAI or SpaceX or anything like that? Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm a I'm a nerd through and through. I uh, <laughs> I definitely uh, watched the couple scrubbed launches and then the the final ultimate successful launch uh, on Saturday. Uh, I was super excited about that and just uh, just amazing what's being done there. I uh, I also geek out on things that maybe even other traditional engineers might not the software development process itself like what's the easiest most pragmatic way to have enough process and structure so there is transparency um, but not so much process that it's like oh I've got to jump through all of these hoops to solve a problem I spend a lot of time researching best uh, process and development strategies but yeah yeah definitely uh, all all the facets of, of engineering are super uh, super interesting to me yeah, it's hard because it's like when people are talking about it or you're reading it and you're gaining experience, it's like everyone describing, you know, how to draw a certain type of like face, right? But then as you do it, it's its own unique representation. So there's not like a perfect cookie cutter way to answer all the questions. And it's hard because like we were talking about earlier, the it's like physics, right? Like things have different principles at different levels of scale, right? So what works at 50 won't necessarily work at 150. And so you're in this constant evolution. And to me, it's like the growth, that growth, that evolution is the most fascinating thing in the world to me, because you can, if you like learning new things and you're curious, you will never be bored. Well, I think you said it like it's, it's about that continuous improvement. You know, we start out with one thing, uh, everything from our career ladder, right? It's like we started out defining what the engineer's progression is from P1 to P6. We we define the manager path and the architectural path and what a site reliability engineer can grow to be. But then, you know, DevSecOps comes up, you know, as we continue to grow and scale, new disciplines come on. And so... It's, it's never a stagnant thing. You've never solved the problem. So everything from career laddering to software development process, which was very much a just a product manager and the set of engineers solving problems becomes user research and, and upfront content, like with a voice of, of Calendly, uh, and then going into u- user experience and design, and then going into product, and then what product marketing. Uh, and so you know, as we continue to grow and scale and build out these disciplines, continuing to look at that process and making sure that all along the way we're, we're incorporating new and best and more, more specific practices and keeping the speed and agility that we have in delivering that software. I love it. Oh man, it's been a while since I've been, it's been, I haven't been writing software for like a year now. So I did it for like 17 years. And then this past year, I haven't been doing it like hands-on as much just because of the the podcast and the leadership company, but I need to get back into it. I was thinking about, I'm waiting for my kids to get to that age where I could, you know, teach them some little programming stuff. I was teaching my daughter who's three, like how to type her name on the keyboard the other day. Uh, But I'm looking forward to like getting the raspberry Pis and like maybe, maybe like a rocket kit and then using the raspberry Pi to ignite the rocket, you know, do something simple. I would be like a weekend project or something really easy to do. But um, are you playing around with any any future technologies right now that you like? You know, um, I have dabbled in a 
large number of languages over my, over my uh, career. And it just so happens I bounced into a company that is a Rails shop and I am not a Ruby on Rails expert, but like, I'm like, that's not okay for me. <laughs> so I've been spending a lot of time um, just, just getting into Ruby and Rails and, and understanding that technology stack. Lots of background in .NET and then C and all the way down to assembly um, and all the way up to Java and, and Spring. And so it's, it's, you know, at some point picking up another language becomes syntax and understanding the patterns of that language. So um, just spending time on some of the magic uh, that Rails brings to the table uh, and understanding that. One of the problems with convention over configuration is that in convention, you just got to know the tricks. Uh, and so that's very much Rails versus like Spring. And Spring, I could just go in and understand Java and how it was configured and, and reverse engineer everything. In Rails, I need to understand more about what are those tricks? What are those conventions that happen under the covers that create that magic? So been spending more time understanding the things that are going to help me at Calendly uh, rather than dabbling in next-gen AI and machine learning, which is uh, also super interesting to me, and I'd love to spend some more time there. Um, I'll get to do that as we start building in that, that intelligence and automation into our software stack. But for now, it's, you know, and that's part of what we're doing at Calendly. It's like everybody that is in engineering is an engineer. Like we love software. I, I write software. Uh, I don't want to get away from that. I refuse to be, um, you know, ivory tower architect or or whiteboard guru. Um, I want to be able to get in there and, and understand our uh, software just as just as well as the next person. So, so yeah, I've kind of similar to you where the podcast took over and you have gotten away from coding. Um, I had to table some of my side projects in Kotlin and Swift and and some of the dabbling that I was doing in AI in order to kind of come back and uh, make sure that I can just speak on the same level with the engineers at Calendly about, about our Rails, Rails application. Yeah, that was like my last uh, seven, eight years was Rails programming. Yeah. Yeah. Well, mm -hmm. well yeah. we need to connect there too. You can just uh, give me the Cliff Notes version and I won't have to do all this uh, book reading. Yeah, but I've actually learned some of my my best programming concepts from like Martin Fowler, and I don't even think he gives like Rails examples. I think they're all yeah. Java examples, if I'm if I'm right. But yeah, I love Martin. Uh, yeah, yeah, and and it's really what I get out of them. There's different modes of my learning. Like, okay, I want to learn how to perform this specific technique, trying to accomplish some very specific results. But then you know, that's pretty narrow, and and that's usually solved not through reading a whole lot. I find what I, what I, the biggest benefit I get from reading those types of people is understanding how they think about creating the software and through watching them come up with their examples and then explain them. I, I can, it's like, if you have a, a friend, you could emulate their thinking patterns. Well, you can do that same, like if you think of a character, like maybe like Michael Scott from The Office, like you could start thinking like what decisions they would make. And I personally, I like to, I bring this up a lot, by the way. And the reason I do is because I believe it's very under discussed. Like, for example, I've never heard anybody else talk about this. Um, so I talk about it a lot because I want to hear it out there in the world because it really is this uh, like untapped superpower that humans have. And it's interesting as I watch different organizations and I get to go visit a lot of companies. So I get to see a different 
like a lot of different cultures. And it's so interesting how it's, it's 100% this behavior and everything is 100% infectious. Like the people just mold to the behavior of the leadership, like whether they like it or not. It's just, they, they start orbiting that. But, um, yeah, this ability to, to have good influences and then those, those thoughts and those thinking patterns become contagious and spread throughout the organization. That's, that's an incredibly valuable tool. Yeah. Uh, that's what it's about, right? Like learn from the best, understand how the best think, come up with those patterns and just, you know, uh, don't reinvent the wheel. They're out there. Uh, there are some amazing creative thinkers out there that you can learn from and spend a lot of time reading and, and trying to do that. Martin Fowler is a, is a great example of somebody that, that helps us in, in the Java world. Uh, but like you said, it's a pattern of thinking that's super important. I think Sandy Metz is pretty good in Rails too. Okay, so this is not one I'm familiar with, but I had to check that out. Oh yeah, so she gives a lot of her examples like with bicycling. Like she does a lot of road biking. She's pretty cool. Nice. Yeah. I'm sorry I cut you off. I just wanted to get that out there because you were talking about like authors and, and Rails and stuff and um, I actually have a, I actually have a page. I was doing some mentoring on, have you ever heard of code mentor? Yeah. Yeah. So for like a year or two, just for fun to like know more people, I was mentoring, uh, students coming out of code schools and, and rails. And basically I just kept referring. I was like, okay, if you just go read these four or five books, I had to get down to that. You will be in a much better position. And I ended up, I think the website's like a betterdeveloper.com, but it, it has like four or five of these books that are like essential for programming. And specifically, I think some of them were like three or three out of five of them were for Rails specifically. Nice. I will uh, definitely check that out. I um, I was just going to say, uh, we, we actually hired uh, a couple of teachers out of the code schools and brought them to Calendly because like you said, like it's, it's about those patterns and uh, it's something that we foster inside uh, the organization is that mentorship programs. Um, and so not only are we in the Atlanta ecosystem where we're trying to reach out and, and we actually host a lot of the Rails meetups uh, and present at those for best practices, but we take that externally and internally for that mentorship and growth and, and just try to really ingrain the culture of, of learning. And, you know, and so for me, that, that, that means not really being out out in front and being a, a public persona. But, you know, I think this opportunity to meet you and, and listen to a bunch of podcasts, you've had a few people on there that on, that I've worked with before, Bryson Kohler. Um, oh, really? You've you got know, to work was, with him? Bryson's yeah, a great yeah, leader, man. Some over, yeah, overlap at the Weather Channel. Um, you know, uh, and and just, just an opportunity to tell people about what we're doing. And I couldn't pass it up. So, so yeah, I will, uh, I'll write something down. Cool guy. Uh, fun okay. to collaborate with, and I'll send that over to you so that you have it retroactively. So my background, you know, was the engineering, and you know, talked to me three years ago, and I was shy and hadn't didn't know anybody really. And one of the things that I've gotten to experience after going out there and speaking and getting to speak at conferences and meet people in their companies is that there are some real legitimate business reasons to to do the speaking and to be out there. And I think the one, cause I'm, I'm so nerdy and try to be like pretty exact uh, sometimes to a fault, but one of the like the really tangible ones you can hold on to is recruiting. So finding good people back to that point earlier, like when you go and you speak at a conference or when you're here talking on the podcast about the product and why you love it 
and that you like running and that, you know, you're in Georgia, people are identifying with that. And they're saying, wow, now I, I heard it from Roy. Like now I understand the culture. I understand how this guy thinks. I would like to go work, work with him, or I'd like to go work on that team. Right. I like Calendly. I want to go do good things with them. And that is a, a, a really uh, important benefit too, especially as your company is growing. I mean, you guys aren't just going to stop at like 150. You're going to go to the moon, right? You, you got it. Uh, yeah, our growth plans are exponential, and they um, we will be a worldwide known name. You know, and so that's that's exactly why I'm here. Is um, I don't want to have to get lucky. Um, you know how I arrived at Calendly is you know I got lucky. I don't want to have to get lucky with that next brilliant engineer. I want people to know, like, this is an amazing place. It's an amazing product. You want to work here uh, because your ability to affect um, a software solution that uh, solves real-world problems for a huge number of people, uh, it's, it's unparalleled. Well, this whole this whole podcast, by the way, hundreds of guests, uh, the, the first people for a long time, it was just, you know, me and coordinating with people and sending emails out, Hey, will you come talk to me before we built up a whole team? And Calendly was like critical to my success there because it maximized my available time. Uh, and so I was like, so grateful that that tool tool existed uh, on the company, like LinkedIn page or then the company bio, it says that you guys take time to celebrate your accomplishments. Can you tell me a little bit about that? Yeah, absolutely. You know, and I think that that goes back to to hope and what really sold me about this company is uh, let's take COVID for an instance, right? Like the first thing we did, uh, we were one of the first companies in Atlanta to say, like, look, stay home. Let's go fully remote. We we weren't versed in being a remote first company, but we'll figure this out. And by the way, we know your kids are at home too. And we know that uh, like everybody's having that unique experience right now. And we want you to understand, like, if you're not working 40 hours this week, that's okay. Like take the time you need to solve the problems, uh, that you're facing today. Uh, that's just one of the greatest things, uh, about Calendly is we are passionate about building the software and building a product that people love. But we also know like, if you don't have your work, your home life and your family, and if, you're, if that's not in order for you and you don't have the time and the space to be able to be immersed and present in that, then Calendly won't be great either. And so even as, even as that's going on, what happened great at Calendly today, right? Uh, that's, that's taking that time to say like, hey, you know, we're talking to the sales engineer, they tweeted about Calendly, and and it goes public on Slack, right? And everybody's super uh, engaged and interested in knowing what our last customer success was or customer experience uh, gets feedback, you know, all the time for going above and beyond, like, you know, solving users' problems. They, they write in, they have a problem and just taking the time to solve it thoroughly, spend the time that's necessary and make sure that person moves on their way, no matter if it's a single user or part of a hundred thousand person account that we have. We like to spend that time and make sure that we solve it, uh, solve it well, and then um, and then celebrate it, you know, and, and make sure that that transparency is there. Now, during this whole COVID thing, 
I know you guys have an office in Atlanta, so like you're just remote now, but um, did you have kids? Like, do you have to deal with that as well or just some of your team members? Uh, yeah, I have a four-year-old girl, Emerson, and a six-year-old boy, son, Nolan, uh, and a wife. Um, I'm super lucky. Uh, my wife is a stay-at-home mom, and she's taken on the educator role and the entertainer role and the summer camp role and the chef role and the house cleaner role and like just, you know, kind of clears the plate and lets me focus. Uh, not everybody has that luxury, uh, but man, she is you know, she's, she's the, she's the workhorse of this family, definitely. Uh, and, and empowering me to just kind of focus on Calendly and be there for our employees. And so, yeah. Hey, shout out to the wife. Yeah. When I, when I, when I watch my wife operate, cause I have a, a girl that's three and then a boy that's one and a half. And so like when I watch how she handles all of that, like getting up and taking care of them, like we, what we did was we sat down and we decided like, essentially like business partners, like what our roles and responsibilities would be so that we didn't, you know, cross over and that everything was really clear for both of us to be, you know, strong team players. And so like, I've got, you know, my list of responsibilities, she has hers, but when I get to watch her like enact those responsibilities, it, uh, there's like a bit of admiration there, right? Because it's different. It's like, what I do is difficult. What she does is difficult, but it's different. And I can see that happening. Um, but she doesn't get to see my difficult as much because I go away to the office, right? But I get to see hers like in the morning and then in the evening. And so it's uh it is really great to have a to have a, a strong team player. I, I'd probably say that a little differently for me. Like I love what I do so much. What I have is like I've got the easy game. She's she's a machine. Um, she's the person that has the difficult job and like, man, uh, I, I just can't say enough good things about, um, you know, about what she does on a daily basis. Just, you know, lucky guy, definitely a lucky guy here. We'll send her a link to this clip. <laughs> Go Roy. Don't tell her. All right. Don't tell her. <laughs> Jake's drafting the email right now. Yeah, <laughs> we got yeah. the PR team on it. No, I, I do know you, you know, you value your privacy, right? And that's an important thing. And I think that's becoming even more important now, you know, with things like I was reading earlier about like the, the COVID contract tracing and the privacy and, and I'm actually, and we don't have to like talk a whole lot about it, but I've, I've been actually thinking about it here and there for the past couple months about privacy, because I have, I think you and I both have a very unique perspective in the sense that we understand or I won't speak for you. I'll say I understand as an engineer that like I want to do cool things and bring value to the people using the product. I'm excited and energized about this cool, oh, look what I could do for you. And like, look, I can connect these pieces of data and here you go. Now you've got this added benefit. And we're like using, to, I'm here building technology. I'm in the room, I'm, I'm, I'm in the furnace. I'm making it happen so we can make your life easier. But then at the same time, you can step back as like an individual and a consumer and you can see some of the things that happen with privacy or data and be like, oh, I don't necessarily want those connected. Or So it's, it's a really, um, it's hard to have a high level conversation about it because it's so nuanced and like which specific vertical you're talking about. But I definitely see a trend away from privacy uh, and that kind of kind of scares me because I feel like we're going to end up in uh, a future that's like really controlled by really surveilled, highly surveilled. 
uh, yeah, it's just not okay. Um, you know, uh, trust is a currency. You know, maybe maybe more important than the actual currency. Uh, you get one chance to lose trust with your customers, and uh, you know, if you have that breach or that privacy uh, concern that gets exposed, you're kind of done. And that's that's the way I look at it in in our engineering team is like, uh, you know, our first thing is, do we need that piece of data? If we don't need that piece of data, we don't store that piece of data. We don't keep something just in case. Uh, our calendar connections are free busy only. We don't pull your information from your calendar. Anything that is on your calendar, that's yours. We just need to know the availability. We just need to know if you're booked or not booked. That's what we store. This is busy time. This is free time. And that's what we use to expose availability because we don't want it in our system because we don't want to be responsible for it. At some point, if there's something that we need to do for you with that data in the future, we'll ask you for it. But we definitely are just ultra intent on making sure that we only store what's necessary and that we keep that footprint as small as possible. What do you what do you think about like the the future? Like what does the future look like for us as consumers? Like I guess I'm asking you tough questions that we don't know. <laughs> but I'm I'm just curious as as a human just trying to form thoughts with other intelligent people. Like I don't like the feeling of feeling helpless. I don't like the feeling of being a bystander. And I see every day we get less privacy and we, it's like, it's not like they take away a piece of privacy and then you gain something. It's like two steps forward, one step back. It's just like you lose, you lose, you lose, you lose. And it's just this continuous pattern forward. And I'm thinking like, what is it that we can do? Maybe it's just being moral in our products uh, or or having a a code of ethics in our products and just saying the thing I can do is as engineering manager, I'm going to focus on, we're not, we're only going to collect the data we absolutely need. Maybe that's just like how we, how you see it. But I'm just curious to know, like, like, what are your thoughts? That's the start, right? Um, we're going to run our company the way that, uh, the way it should be done, because there will be, there will be backlash at some point, you know, there, like you said, every day, it's another person that's aggregating your data in a way that you weren't quite aware of. Uh, and then it gets exposed. And at some point, uh, this will go beyond concern for consumers of like, this, you know, uh, I, I'm a little worried that I don't know what Facebook is tracking today, but tomorrow it will be like, I'm just not going to use that product, right? It doesn't bring me enough value to eliminate the concern that I have for the privacy that, uh, that is violated or the data that is collected about me. And so, you know, I, I think there are just regulation after regulation after regulation. CCPA just came out for California. Um, you know, obviously GDPR came out, uh, you know, a few years back. Governments are enforcing that there will be more and more transparency here. Uh, and as people realize and understand more and more about what is being tracked and how it's being tracked and how it's being used, uh, I think it's inevitable that things like DuckDuckGo, uh, where they're not tracking you, you know, like the, those tools and, and, the, and the companies that are doing it right um, and that are super transparent about what they do and don't have will be the ones that that rise to the top. And so, you know, I do think it's it's all about uh, today. It's about, you know, maintaining what we do uh, internally. But, you know, uh, because tomorrow, like, the user will be empowered to really understand what's happening and will be a discerning consumer based on that. 
that's why I like the mindset of engineers too. And the fact that like, you know, we both know a lot of engineers, we typically want things to be right, <laughs> you know, and there's like these core intrinsic human values that I have that I think go beyond our nationality or geography, like things that we believe is right, just as, as, as humanity. And so I think there will be more whistleblowers and, you know, I think that'll happen a lot more. People will get more comfortable with that. I think people will just direct their products and, more professional ways and then uh, i think there's gonna i hope there's gonna be a lot more transparency like it's strange that i want to go google something and then i think i don't want this in my profile profile like i don't want this in a, it's in a record somewhere where i searched it so i'm going to vpn to a duck, duck go and i'm going to ask my question there because i don't want that because all it needs is just, you know, 10 years. And, and I was a bored 13-year-old hacking stuff. I mean, the time's run out on that, so I'm good. <laughs> but but uh, uh, thank you, statute of limitations. But, you know, there's going to be some time where someone gets, at, we're humans. They're going to get angry, aggravated, or, or curious. One of those, they may get curious. And that data, it's collected so it could be exposed. And you, and, and it's not even like, you know, embarrassment data or anything like that. It's, for me, it's the step farther that concerns me. It's when people start making decisions based off of you as a collection profile and not as an individual in real time. And that bothers me. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's scary, scary world out there right now. Everything from health information that's passed around to economical uh, economics or, or financial information for you to to just what did you Google search or what did Alexa hear you say, uh, you know, today and then the ad you get served tomorrow. So it's insane. It's funny because like I hear, I mean, you and I were both making technology for a long time. And so like when I was first making technology, people were not talking about technology. Like the people I would be around at school or in life, they, they were just like nerd, nerd. Like you're just like, if you need someone's computer, go talk to Joel or something. But now it's like every, I hear my, my friends talking about it and my non-technical family members talking about how they'll say something and it comes up on an ad. And then I, I was like, is that for real? Because I've heard this a couple of times. So then I researched it and it is 100% true. Like it's you enable real. your microphone on like Facebook asks for microphone access and it's 100% true. And in their terms of service, they let you know, like this is how it's being used. And it's like, Whoa. <laughs> yes, not okay. Not okay. You should not be recording me and targeting me. You know, that's just, yeah, it's craziness. Happened. There was, a, um, I saw last night in, in one of the tech news sites that I follow, uh, there's like this $5 billion thing, I think, against like, uh, like Surrey was recording clips when it didn't need it before you were activating it. Did you see that headline? I didn't like see that one. I am not shocked by it, though. Yeah. Like an engineer came out. There was an engineer contractor and said, hey, I sat there for a year and listened to hundreds of hours of people recording Siri. And and then the, whoever, I guess it would be Google or, or Apple. Apple would be Siri. So, uh, and then Apple's like, we didn't do that or we shut down that program. But for me, I'm thinking like, there is no oversight to this it's just it's a private company like i own a business if i was just like hey and you know hey engineering team just do this like there's with the exception of the engineer standing up themselves then no one would know 
I don't know. You know, there's a lot of inquisitive people out there. There's a lot of white hat security hackers out there that are constantly reviewing things and looking for holes and gaps and identifying patterns that don't make sense. Um, so yeah, probably the engineer that's sitting there and, and writing the software is the most prominent and easiest one to identify that will find that. But like I said, there's there's also you know a ton of people out there that are also that are looking out for it and, and willing to uh, make it visible and transparent to everyone. And then beyond that, which is probably the the worst or most difficult way for it to come out, is the kind of enforced regulations on on that transparency. We'll we'll do some more research on this. Why don't I? I should get I should get like some. Uh, there's got to be some experts out there that talk about this, right? Yeah. Would you, would that be useful content if we did some episodes on that? And I went and got like some of the people that maybe do it for the White House or like different countries, and and kind of see uh, what how they approach privacy or what's going on there. I don't think we've done many privacy episodes. Would that be something you'd like to listen to? I'd listen to it definitely. Okay. We'll 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 look into that. Was there anything? else that we wanted to uh, raise awareness for or, or get out about Calendly? No, man, I think we, uh, I think we covered it pretty well. Um, you know, it's, uh, it's an exciting time uh, uh, in Atlanta and software technology and, and at Calendly itself. So, um, you know, uh, you'll hear more from us, definitely. Nice. Well, I'm a fan. The website is Calendly.com, right? You got it. Yep. And people can hunt you down on, on LinkedIn or if there's a jobs careers on the Calendly site, so they can look more about, you know, what, what positions you guys are hiring and what type of experts you're looking for. You got it. Yeah. And, uh, we're learning to be remote first. Uh, so we'll be opening up, you know, positions around the world as we continue to grow and scale as well. So, uh, no matter where you're at, uh, this is a great place to be. This is exciting. There's, there's probably like, there's no like Calendly uh, in other languages yet, is there? Oh yeah, uh, oh, yeah? Uh, we're in five languages. About thirty percent of our audience is is international. Oh, okay. Yeah, nice. uh, two hundred and something countries use us today. That is so cool. Yeah. So yeah, I was actually I was having a conversation the other day with I think it was Stripe. Uh, CTF Stripe, and he was talking about um, the benefits of as they scaled putting offices in countries where they had high usage because they would be able to understand that local culture better. And then that actually helped drive the product as well. This is our next frontier. Uh, we, we, we have just begun the conversations of, okay, now how do we start to expand the scope and understand the cultural norms of, of these countries and make sure that we're, uh, that we fit in very well. And then uh, Stripe also is making a, they, they created this blog post that had like all their learnings from going remote. So uh, look that up or we could share it with you after the call. But man, I just want you to know between you and me, my friend, if you ever need anything, if you want to bounce any ideas off or got questions or if you're ever like, hey, uh, I have, you know, I'm very curious about this one topic. Do you have anybody in your network? You just let me know. We'll connect you and uh, do whatever we can to help uh, Calendly because we're customers, love the product. I want to see you guys grow and do well. Awesome. No, I really appreciate that. Uh, and when I'm in town, maybe we go for a run. We'll, we'll, we'll keep it short though. Yeah, we'll have to keep it short, but yeah, I'll go for a run. <laughs> Sounds good. And I actually will take you up on the run. I've, I've done that once before, like gone running with, with somebody from the, from the show. So uh, yeah, it was really great meeting you and hanging out today. And thank you so much for your time. 
Hey, no, I really appreciate you having me on. And uh, I probably will reach out to you. You're a well-connected guy. And uh, I think we have some mutual friends that are that are interesting people to know and a uh, great resource. So thank you so much for your time.